0: Well, we regularly talk about speech and language development with Wellington-based therapist Christian Wright, but what about when a child is hearing and learning two languages at home? Christian's back with us today to talk about bilingualism in preschoolers and how parents can help children learning two languages. As always, we're happy to take... Your observations or your questions, nine to noon at radioNZ.co.nz, text us to 2101, tweet us at nine to noon. Christian, good morning. Good morning. I mean, in some instances, including with this uh, you know, wonderful moment we've had over the years of Kuangareo and Kuru Kaupapa. Uh, there's the uh, te reo element to this, but also there's a lot of families coming here from all around the world uh, where exactly children right. uh, might be learning at least two languages, yes. perhaps acquiring English. Uh, and that's an interesting one, isn't it? When the, the, the parents' uh, English may be nowhere near as good as, as, as what their kids are going to be very, very soon. So what are some of the issues?
1: Um, yeah, that's exactly right, because the th- reason I thought I'd talk about it is it's really on the rise. And I'm seeing more and more in my work in schools, kindergartens, within homes, um, bilingual or multilingual families, uh, more than two languages. I actually had a look at the census data, and it shows that in um, 2001, 15.8% of families or people in New Zealand identified as speaking more than one language, and it's gone up now. I think the last census was 2013. Um, it's up at 186 It's a slight rise, but um, this, um, the stats that I was looking at it was showing that it's expected to continue to rise because of the migrant families as well as te reo in schools now. Yeah. So more and more children um, learning and at that, I think was it was in Auckland, was it? That um, high school that talked about introducing um, te reo as a core subject. So um, interesting to see that shift. There's two
0: ways, though. I'm really interested in this because the the received wisdom has always been that when they're little and acquiring language, kids can earn one, two, keep on going. Mm. Uh, uh, It's harder for us when we're older and a few of the brain cells have gone, but also we're sort of through that uh, language acquisition stage. It's harder Mm. for us to pick up languages later in life. Just at the starting point, does that assumption hold? Are they wonderful and capable learners of more than one language by design?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the brain essentially is set up to, um, from birth to learn language. So we've always had this idea of the critical window theory. Um, But I guess what I've learned over time and in my own reading is that there are um, certainly um, sensitive periods to language development, but the human brain is always able to form new networks and therefore demonstrate new learning.
0: I'm wondering if it's motivation at that age as well. That's like, you're exactly just right. so hungry, aren't you? You yep. know, to understand the world and to communicate and to become yes. part of it.
1: You need uh, a system to communicate. That's exactly right. Um, and adult learners, what we find is that part of the reason that they don't learn as effectively as, a, as children is ch- for children learning a second language, usually there's total immersion. So they've come to New Zealand from another country or they're being raised in an immersive setting in the home. Whereas adults, um, usually have a dominant language that they're using and they come and go from the learning so they're not totally immersed my brother-in-law moved to Switzerland and um, he acquired Swiss German to a fluent level within about three or four years I'd say and he was totally immersed so um, certainly being immersed can help but There are actually some real cognitive benefits as well to children who learn two languages and what we've seen in cognitive testing when we compare monolingual and bilingual children, two areas that show up are selective attention, so the child's ability to focus on what's important it seems to be more elevated in our bilingual children as well as cognitive flexibility. So the ability to shift the child's thinking to match the demands of the situation.
0: So I've got two languages running in there essentially. Correct. They? So mm.
1: they're always trying to work out what language are you speaking and where do I need to go. So I need to suppress English and now I need to, uh, to be speaking Russian.
0: There really is that switch, isn't there? There mm. is.
1: So, um, but how children acquire two languages really depends on the. Um, the context. So for example, there are some children who are raised from birth with two languages and then there are families who move to a new country and the child acquires a a second language. So they're different. So the first one being that we have our um, simultaneous language learners, so two languages at the same time. And they generally pass through a two-stage process, those children will um, typically hit a lot of the milestones that their monolingual peers will hit, but um, certainly for the first few years they're not very good at separating the languages so they just blend them all together. Um, but then they realise once they in- enter into the second stage, which is the language-separated stage, they realise there are people in situations where people don't understand me and I need to be quite specific. There are some people who speak my language, uh, my second language, as it were, and some situations where it's appropriate.
0: So do that's interesting because... Um they still need to identify which language is which and cognitive, because I'm sure this is what people worry about. Oh, if I start learning the second language or if we start speaking the second language, it's somehow going to impede mm. the learning of, say, it's English, right? <clears throat> say, you're, um, you know, and is that going to be an issue? Um, what cognitively is going on when they begin to sort the languages and understand which is which, or have they known it all along, just not bothered about it?
1: No, I think it's through the social interaction um, mm. that they realise... It shows really well actually in our children who, in our second group, the sequential language learners, those who have already a first language, and it's typically after about the age of three that they're acquiring a second language. So we see what happens cognitively there because these children arrive speaking their first language. So um, quite commonly I would encounter three and a half year olds come to New Zealand and they seem to follow a very reliable four stage process. They arrive at kindy and they speak German and no one speaks German back to them and they will persist with this usually for a few weeks and then they realize it's not working and so the next thing that happens is they go silent and it's very common that that's when people get concerned and they think that there's um, going to be a problem
0: Is that where it's a bit like a search engine is out there looking for options? It is. It's what they're doing. <laughs>
1: yeah. They are. They're gathering information. But something like
0: my search option, you have to wait, wait a wee while. But anyway, search engine, do I <laughs> so while. Yeah.
1: So they essentially are building <clears throat> their comprehension of mm. the new language mm. and they usually will engage in uh, gesture and they're, like that.
0: They're, they're listening and they're associating what they're mm-hmm. hearing with meaning and, and will they do that in a very predictable way, like perhaps nouns first?
1: cup, yeah, or usually. whatever. Usually, yeah. that's right. Because the adults in the environment realise mm. that they've gone silent and so they'll simply their language often Mm. and then they'll go into their third stage so they go home language um, use and then they realize it doesn't work so they go silent and then they become a language imitator and that's um, how that looks is they will develop um, a set of words that are common to them um, in their environment or little scripts like sometimes you'll see them say things like I want that or my turn and they are scripts that perhaps they haven't analyzed it to the point that they realize my is the pronoun they just know that when you say my turn the person is supposed to give you a turn. Um, So they stay in that stage for a while. And they build up this bank of little scripts that they use. And then what happens is they begin to fracture the scripts and form new novel sentences. And it's really predictable, these stages they pass through.
0: <clears throat> does it mean, because again this is what will concern people, any delay in the acquisition of what we might call the primary language, in other words the one you want them to be most proficient in, it might be the one they're going to be educated in, or uh, or whatever priority you're putting on it. Uh, in other words, does it slow their language acquisition of either language, or actually do they click pretty yeah, quickly?
1: No, the answer is no. Mm. Being bilingual, the evidence clearly shows it doesn't cause mm. any delay in... Um, language development. So if we call L1 um, the language that everyone's using um, predominantly in the environment and L2 being the minority language there isn't an effect um, that shows that these children go on to have language delays. What we do know is that often in their preschool years it might look as though in terms of if we just pick two languages we'll go with German and English if their English doesn't look that great at the age of three when we're measuring it or say two or three what we do is we actually combine the languages when we measure it so we look at their vocabulary uh, across both that makes a lot of sense yeah we don't just look at english yeah because they're actually developing two systems yeah. and um, it's a much more accurate measure to look at both so we find that actually often they have as many or more words than their monolingual peers
0: it's interesting just even thinking of te reo and having observed this happening uh, within one family um, I mean, obviously, a way of acquiring the second language is to say, you know, what, whatever this is, um, say it's cup, and here I am, I don't know the Māori word for cup, someone can quickly email me that. Um, and it's the integration of uh, of the real to, to concepts and language they've already acquired, this is the way they begin to learn the vocabulary. Yeah. So uh, in, in no means is that inhibiting, but as you say, it's actually building a much larger vocabulary uh, and a much larger, in a, in a, in a larger um, skill set overall. But... You know, how old are they? Again, when, when, you, when you're talking about when you might count words, and I, and I know you're very conscious of those early years and watching out for uh, whatever may be causing any kind of an issue. I mean, how young would you be really when you're still counting the total vocabulary of a child? Pretty young. Uh, yeah, it, it school is, yeah. age.
1: <clears throat> no, by school age, most children They're have. Away. It's, it's impossible to count their yeah. vocabulary. But it depends on the kind of bilingual child you're talking about. If it's a si- simultaneous learning two languages at the same time, mm. some cause for concern would be um, so around about one children say their first word, and in our bilingual population, that can be slightly later, mm. around about 13, 14 months. Because you're trying months. to sort
0: out two, whole, as you say, two whole sets of words that mean something. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: Um, so then by 18 months, um, our, our children usually have at least 20 um, mm. single words that they're able to use. But, um, and they're often learning a word a week. So they're very rapid, but it is cause for concern if around about 18 months to two years we see that these children have a combined vocabulary of less than 30 words.
0: But I wouldn't have thought you'd be learning two languages at once so much at that age. As as you said, typically you're going to have acquired one, and for whatever reason, a change of where you're living, you're then acquiring the Mm -hmm. second, right? Or because, you know, in the the case of te you know, um, it, it's time to, to learn, we want you to be fluent speaker. So, although that may have happened from birth, actually. That, yes. that is interesting, isn't it? It's probably the one instance where you may be having two yep. languages right from birth. Yeah, yeah, if you have fluent family speakers. That's right. Yeah. The other side of language, of course, is um, all the grammatical construction side of stuff mm-hmm. uh, I can still remember my German you had to wait to the end of the sentence to find out what anyone was on about because that's where the verb was right yep. so is that ever an issue like do people start to worry It's got that, you know, that they're um, English comprehension or English structure if they're learning a second language uh, is, is going to be interfered with because, they're, because they've because they started young on, on another language? Or?
1: Uh, typically the simultaneous language learners who are learning them at the same time from birth do quite well on that regard just, and they pass through a lot of the mm. um, the grammatical features their monolingual peers do but our sequential learners do do show that effect yeah. so they have their first language which influences the, um, the grammatical uh, the pronunciation of their second language Actually, interestingly, um, uh, when we think about that, sometimes parents are advised by well-meaning people to stop speaking the minority language at home for that very reason, so they can build strength in their first. But actually, that's the worst advice ever, um, because what we find is that their home language that they are fluent in actually acts as a foundation and a base that they can launch a lot of their new language learning from. So given that there may be some grammatical difficulties that do get ironed out over time. That first language is really important because it carries more than just words. It carries social interaction, um, questions, intonation, those kinds of things that are transferable to the new language.
0: How can parents support development of... Both languages then, and again, this is going to come back to the context isn 't it in many many ways i mean uh, as we as we said, um, possibly uh, people new to the country um, their children 's um, exposure to and, and capacity with english may may be, may get well ahead of theirs yeah. uh, quick enough but you know there's there 's a multiple sort of set of of, of situations, um, maybe in the case of Tereo as we said that the parents are fluent speakers and yep. and, and, are, and are working it in. Um, from a right from the beginning as we said whatever the situation what's the best thing you can do to support your child
1: so um, if we take uh, a household with two parents who speak two different languages the first thing is I think it's important that parents speak the language they're most comfortable in so um, uh, perhaps there's a Chinese parent and an English parent that there are different approaches to stimulating language learning in our children. One of them is the one-parent, one-language approach. The Chinese parent always speaks Chinese to the children. The English parent speaks English. There's another approach, which is the one-place, one-language approach. Everyone speaks Chinese in the home. Outside the home, we speak English. Or the two languages mixed throughout the day approach. So, who cares? Like we'll just talk. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll just see. But the problem yeah. I find with the two languages mixed throughout the day is yeah. that sometimes parents accidentally default towards the most common language that's occurring, which is English, because they think they want to help their child learn English. There's a problem with that, and there's a process children go through, and I see it all the time. That the parents, well-meaning, um, are teaching English in the home when the child's speaking English outside the home, but the parents still harbors hopes and aspirations the child will develop their, the language of their homeland. What actually happens is many times the pattern goes, the child will in the earlier days speak some words, short phrases in the home language, then as time goes on they start to not speak those phrases but they still comprehend the home language quite well and then as time continues to go on their comprehension isn't that brilliant either. So that you can see them generally moving away from it, from that home language.
0: Okay, I think
1: we've got got one or two questions here. Uh, I have a question about the proficiency
0: level a parent or caregiver has to be at to be an effective teacher of a second or third language for children. I speak a second language, but not very fluently. I would like to speak with my children, but I'm worried they'll learn my mistakes or they won't actually pick up anything because I can only speak at a basic level. That's a really good question.
1: Yep, so in that situation, it's still beneficial for your children because they can still be acquiring a second language, but obviously... There are limitations if you're the only person who's speaking French and there are no other French people you know and they don't go to a French-speaking language school to learn it, then they will be constrained somewhat by your ability. So if you're um, in that situation, I've had some families who are very serious about teaching their children Japanese, so they enroll them in Japanese language school, and the parent and the child are both learners at home. Um, but the point is is that the greatest influence you can have is as an adult to have the expectation that your child should be communicating in another language which in itself is beneficial because the child's beginning to really think and behave in a different language really interestingly I saw an interesting study that looked at problem-solving in people who are multilingual and different languages off different offer different ways to think about problems because of the way that the grammatical structure of language is, is arranged. So sometimes some multinational corporations love multilingual people because they have many different hats they can wear when they're solving problems based on the way they think about it. In the it's language. like
0: that nuance in translation, isn't it? It's very hard to ever get it perfectly yep. because some things are, are just unique. Uh, there's different ways of expressing things, I would have thought, emotionally in mm. different languages mm. as well. This is a very thought provoking email because, of course, we New Zealanders are, uh, I don't know, is there anyone more slack when it comes to learning a second language than, than yeah. we are i mean in the, in the case of of most uh, people living in europe how many would they pick two three they always and, have at least two exactly. usually
1: trilingual yeah
0: yeah anyway this emailer says uh fluent in three have, have i read that right I'm, I'm sorry it's very difficult for me to read uh this rejects completely it must be it must be a website fluent months dot fluent in three dot com refutes completely the idea that it is harder for adults to learn a second language. Mm-hmm. It's actually easier because we can use study methods as well as exposure or immersion. Mm-hmm. I learnt Dutch in three months as an adult to a decent level. Uh, by seven years, I am mistaken for Dutch unless I make a silly error. I've also learnt some Mandarin as an adult and now I'm learning Tareo. Schools do not teach languages as they are naturally learnt. Mm-hmm. I learnt French well in school as a good student but became fluent after a month in Tahiti. I was also an ESOL teacher, an English second language teacher, and an au pair in the Netherlands. We need to engage... Uh, in four different ways, reading, writing, speaking and listening, schools often restrict children's opportunities to speak and write on their own and to make mistakes. Uh, so <clears throat> working through really some of the points you were making, also talking about the school system uh, and the hierarchy of language, intellectual and academic at the top and minor dialects at the bottom. Mm. I mean, generally, can you can you comment should we could we be this packed school curriculum again isn't it, it is, you know it uh, is. but you know if you were going to do it if you wanted a child who was going to be strong with languages right yep. a, a good acquirer of languages would it pay to get started?
1: It does quite, pay yeah. to get started earlier, but at the same time, um, that idea that the earlier you learn the language, the better it is. Of course there are benefits. And some of those benefits come through in pronunciation. You mm-hmm. are better at usually at pronunciation, um, as well as many of those children sometimes go on to have quite good grammatical but structure. That, but naturally. that
0: word that you talked about, it's not just the actual skill set or competency. It's actually that attitude and openness and motivation to learn a second language is that that's the real thing you're yes. going to get if you just make this seem normal when you're young yeah
1: because children they do better because parents tell them to and so they just get immersed and they'll do it because you have the expectation the advantage to adult learners of second languages is that they can bring to it their the language they already know and have such great command of and um, as that emailer has said I guess, the academic abilities, um, the study abilities that they have. And one of the things that I see is that adult learners usually can acquire a second language to a very high academic level because they're able to access it that way. But their pronunciation is the area they often struggle with.
0: All right. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. Uh, Thank you, Christian Wright.